Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxenteco's message today is entitled The True Vine. Now, we'll only be able to bring you the first portion of this message due to our time constraints, but you can always go to reachingyourheart.com and look for the broadcast schedule there on the main page to listen to the entire message without interruption. I'll be back after the program with some other very important information to pass along to you, so please stay with me for just a few minutes afterwards. Let's get underway. Here now is Pastor Michael Tanko with the first portion of The True Vine. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Dear Father God, I'm grateful for a God who doesn't sleep. It says in the Iliad that God slept. You don't sleep. I'm grateful for a God who has every answer for every need and every life. I'm grateful for those who bow before you. You lift them up. For those who are broken, you mend. And we kind of figured it out, and we still are, that we don't get through this life by just trying hard. We do try hard. We get through life by abiding in you. Every minute of every day, we don't always get it, but we want to. So help us to know what that means today and to never give it up. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever done something that was just awesome and fun when you were a child? You have a memory of it as standing out as being the best thing you ever did. Anyone here have anything like that? Okay, the rest of you had boring childhoods. Okay, a few of you have. And I'll tell you what one of those is for me. When I was a boy, I discovered the secret of rapid flight into the air. We had found near a gorge near where we lived a large vine. And this vine obviously had to be turned into something useful. We turned it into something that allowed us to fly. As I was exploring the stretch of woods, we found it, we tested it. I remember taking my run, moving across the gorge, taking into the air and going and touching the other tree and kicking myself off of it and then coming back and going back and forth. Now, I didn't do this alone. I was a social creature. I had a good friend named Jeff. And together with Jeff, we would just launch into the sky with the vine. The vine was a great thing. It allowed us to have freedom Whereas before, we had a boring walk down the trail. Once we got to the vine, it was no longer boring. It was our version of Six Flags, King's Dominion, this kind of thing. And it was fabulous. The method was kind of simple. We would run with all our strength down the hill, holding on the vine. And as we passed the base of the tree, we would leap into the air and ride the vine across the gorge and touch the trunk of the large tree on the other side. And then you'd use it to kick yourself off with the spring and the vine. You'd come back safely to the other side. If you messed up, you were kind of stuck dangling there, and that wasn't where you wanted to be. For hours on end, we would ride the vine this way. I mean, it never got old. As long as we held on to the vine, we could fly without fear. As long as we held on to the vine, we could feel the thrill of the wind in the air. 
as long as we held onto the vine, we were safe from a certain fall because the vine was strong. It would hold our full weight. One day, my friend Jeff decided he would try to fly without the vine. Not a good idea. At first, he looked at the vine. He took it in his hand. Like before, he ran down the bank, jumped in the air as usual. Powered by the spring and the vine, he rose high into the sky across the gorge. He got a little arrogant, though. In seconds, he reached the other side without any effort. He'd watched too many Superman movies. And then he did the dumbest thing I've ever seen him do. Without thinking, he let go of the vine. It's counterintuitive, but he almost felt like he could fly on his own without the vine. No sooner did he let go of the vine, he fell straight to the earth. He flew all right, straight down, 9.82 or 6 meters per second square. I think they call it the gravitational constant. It took over, boom, he started flying. And he hit the ground, thump. Thankfully, he landed on some moss and some leaves, or else he'd be a very dead friend. I picked my broken friend off the ground. He was crying and bleeding from the fall. Pride had been replaced by an extreme form of humility. Make matters worse, all the way home, I lectured him. I said, Jeff, you should have never let go of the vine. He let go of the vine. I ask you the question, are you trying to fly through life without holding on to the vine? Are you trying to get from here to there without hanging on to the vine? Have you convinced yourself that maybe you have enough spiritual power, maybe you have enough personal prowess to make it from here to God's glory by not hanging on to the vine? In John 14, Jesus gives the promise that He will come one day. In John 15, Jesus shows us how to live in the meantime so that we can be ready for His coming. In John 15, 1, He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. In verse 1, Jesus claims to be the true vine. In John 1, 9, Jesus is the true light that enlightens every man who comes in the world. In John 6, 32, Jesus is the true bread that came down from heaven to give food to the world. In John 8, 14, Jesus is the true witness that reveals the truth about God. In John 14, 6, Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me, in the Greek, through me. I'm the only access point to God the Father. The word true indicates that there is a counterfeit in life that we must guard against. If something is true, it means there's something that's false out there. And if you hang on to the wrong thing, you will not have the right one. Christ is the true light because the devil comes to us as an angel of light. Christ is the true bread because there is false bread in this world that will not feed your soul for eternal life. Christ is the true witness because Christ is the only one who knows the truth about God firsthand. If you want truth, you must go to Him. Christ is the true vine because there are false vines in life that you can hang on to, that you can cling to for a time. But in the end, they will fail and you will fall. So you need to know who the true vine is. Jesus says, I am the true vine in contrast to all false vines. In the Old Testament, God described Israel as a vine. Psalms 80, verse 8. The Bible says you brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine. In the Old Testament, God says Israel is the vine. In John 15, 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine. 
if Jesus is the true vine, and God says Israel is the vine, and God cannot lie, then Jesus Christ is the only true Israel that matters in the end. He is God's Israel that has been planted in this world that if we are to belong to God's people, if we are to be a part of God's people, if we are to have an organic connection to the kingdom of God, we must be connected to the true Israel, the true vine, who is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only Israel that matters in the end. We hear a lot of stuff on the news today about end-time Israel, about what's happening in the Middle East and the whole nine yards. Dear heart, the Israel that matters to you at the time of the end The end-time knowledge that you must have of Israel is a knowledge of Jesus, who is the true Israel, who is the vine. All of the promises made to Israel are really made to Jesus, the true Israel. The entire history of Israel in the Old Testament ends with one faithful Israelite hanging on a cross. I've been reading the book of Judges recently. It's awful history. Have you ever read the book of Judges? I mean, it's like the wild, wild west of the Bible. It ends by saying every man did what was right in his own eyes. I don't even know why they said that. They should say every man did what was in his own eyes because most of it isn't even right. Crazy kind of history. But what you find in the book of Judges, you find the angel of the Lord instructing God's people, guiding God's people, correcting them in this awful period of their history. Well, who is that being? That being is Jesus Christ. John Calvin, great Reformed theologian figured that out. John Wesley and others. That the great mighty angel of the Lord who is more than an angel, who is God in angel form, uncreated God, was there as the messenger of God's people in the wild, wild west of the Old Testament. Maybe in your life there are wild, wild moments, times in which you don't know what's going on. Friend, the angel of the Lord, the mighty protector of Israel is still there. He is your protector. In the Old Testament, God promised Israel that He would plant a branch to fulfill His promise to save Israel. Jeremiah 33, 14, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The Bible teaches that God did not give the covenant promises for Israel to a nation. He didn't give them to an ethnic group. He gave the promises, the great covenant promises of the Bible through Abraham to only one person plus his seed. And that seed is not many, that seed is one. Galatians 3.16, now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say unto seeds as referring to many, but rather to one and to your seed that is Christ. Friend, God has promised the universe to Jesus. God has promised the future kingdom to Jesus. God has declared that Christ is the Israel for the age to come. And in history, he is the Israel of God in history. And if we are to have a vital connection with God's people, with God's kingdom, we must be connected to the true vine, who is Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1.20, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. I mean, if you're trying to get through this religious experiment in your life, if you're trying to get through it without making Christ the focus of the life journey, without taking your fears to the fearless one, 
without taking your need for faith to the one who had the perfect faith, without taking your striving for obedience to the one who lived a perfect life and obeyed, friend, it's futile religion. The only religion that gets us from here to tomorrow is the one that is connected to Jesus in the journey. We need the living and abiding Christ to live forever. So Jesus is the true vine. Without Jesus, the nation of Israel has no right to the promises of God. Without Christ, you as a Christian, you have no right to the promises of God. But if you are in Christ by faith, weak though you be, connected by faith with mustard seed faith, friend, you are part of the true Israel of God. You are connected to the vine. And you are a child of Abraham through faith. Because there's only one Israel that matters in the end. It's Jesus Christ, the true vine. Galatians 3, 28 and 29. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. So in John 15, 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. There is an organic connection between the true vine, Jesus Christ, and his father, the vine dresser. The vine dresser is the one who plants the vine. God the Father gave us Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The vine dresser is the one who plants the vine. The vine dresser is the one who cultivates the vine. The vine dresser is the one who loves the vine and cares for the vineyard. The vine is here because the vine dresser put him here. When I hear people say, does God care about me? I don't know if God cares about me or not. Because my life is hard. Now listen, we all have hard chapters in life. But here's the bottom line. God gave you Jesus. Does God care about you? How can you doubt that with this ultimate truth planted in the Bible? That the vine dresser planted the vine. That God gave you Jesus. That God gave Him to save you, to bring you through life, to hold you through your health challenge, to hold you through your economic challenge, your life change challenge, whatever it is. Because God is the vine dresser. John fifteen two, For every branch of mine that bears no fruit... He takes it away, and every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. The Greek says, every branch in me that bears no fruit, He takes it away. It's clear in the context that the Bible is talking about believers, not unbelievers here. It's talking about people who have accepted Christ and don't bear fruit for Him in the church. It's talking about people who somehow they go to church, somehow they go through the rounds of church, but they don't do anything for Christ in the church. They're disconnected from the mission of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, a vine was a symbol of fertility and wealth. People planted vineyards because it would increase their fortunes. It was a good thing to have a vineyard. Hosea 10.1, the Bible says, Israel is a luxuriant vine that yields its fruit. In the lesson of the vine in John 15, God the Father planted the vine for the purpose of bearing fruit. Jesus was planted on this earth to be the formation of His people for all eternity, to save more lives than just yours or mine, to reach out to those beyond the confines of our church. And friend, there is no reason to be in the vine if you aren't in the business of bearing fruit in cooperation with the vine. Did you hear what I just said? 
There's no reason to be in the vine if you aren't in the business of bearing fruit in cooperation with the vine. Christ didn't come just to meet your needs. Christ didn't come just to meet your needs. He didn't die just so you could enjoy eternal life, have truths that you teach your children and keep it there. Friend, He died so He could change your life, win you back to God, and use you to win someone else to God. That's how it works in the kingdom of God. It doesn't work any other way. There is a divine judgment in verse 12 that no unproductive believer can escape in the plan of God. Jesus says, every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he'll take it away. Now, does it say some of the branches that don't bear fruit will take away? What does it say in the text? Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes it away. Now, you can kind of do a self-judgment assessment here. If you are not bearing fruit in your life in some way for others, for the kingdom of God, it doesn't mean you have to be doing Bible studies necessarily. But it means that your life is committed to making a difference in the lives of others in service in the church. If you're disconnected from that, then the Bible is very clear. He will take you away at some point in the future. I mean, there are people who join the church only for the goodies that the church can give them. The Father will take them away, according to the words of Jesus. There are people who accept Christ so they can prosper and do nothing with the gospel for others. The Father will take them away. There are people who think that the purpose of the church is just to get perfect, to develop a character out of context with those who have no clue any love and mercy and justice extended to them through a Christ-centered, selfless life. God will take them away. There are people who join the church for status and position because they like to be important. They have no future in the church, according to Jesus, for the Father, the vine dresser, will take them away. There is judgment in play in John 15. Friend, there are people who think they can never be lost because they've accepted Christ once and for all. And so they don't lift one finger to help save a lost soul to come to Jesus, either by a word of encouragement or a helpful hand or sharing the Bible or whatever means they can use. Jesus said the Father will take them away. According to this parable, God put you in Christ by baptism to save someone else and to prove that you are connected to the vine. Do you get the point? This is what qualifies us and defines us as a true believer connected to Jesus Christ. God put you in Christ to bear fruit for His kingdom and so to prove that you are a disciple of Christ. When I was in Holland, Michigan, years ago as a pastor, I grew tomatoes. I grew them in an awful kind of way. I had ground that wasn't that good and I figured out I could make the ground turn real good. So I got a hold of this Campbell Soup Company down the road where they had lots of manure. I had them bring a truckload full of that stuff to my backyard. And they brought it in the spring, you know, when it was kind of damp and the humidity was high. The winds were blowing up the hill toward my neighbor's houses. And they dumped that stuff right behind my backyard. And I had a hard time kind of shoveling it out. It took two weeks to level it out. But I planted my tomato patch in pure fertilizer. I mean, Jack and the Beanstalk is one story. You should have seen my tomato vines take to the sky. Our corn got so high that it fell over. It was top-heavy. My neighbors hated my garden. They smelled it all the way until the time the tomatoes ripened on the vine. I was the talk of the neighborhood. It was awful talk. 
Pastor Oxentanko messing up our neighborhood with the smell of his garden. But when I took them a bucket full of tomatoes in the fall, they all began to change their tune. These big, massive, meaty, ripe tomatoes. But as I took those tomatoes to my neighbors, all the history of how awful my garden was suddenly shifted to how wonderful the fruit is. Now, friend, your garden may be kind of awful. It could be your planting experience in the church is full of things that have smelled to it at times. Maybe you don't do as well as you think you should. Maybe you don't. But friend, if you have fruit for God, the focus is not on the garden. The focus is on the fruit. It's the outcome of the journey, the struggle in your life that God is concerned about. Sometimes people are afraid to bear fruit because the fruit isn't perfect or plentiful. Notice John 15, 2. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, what does it say? He takes it away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. The Greek word for branch is klema. It is derived from the verb klau, which means to break. It means a breakable branch or a new branch that can be easily taken away. It could be better translated a tender and breakable branch. In the context, Jesus is talking about new believers who are in danger of coming to church and doing nothing for God. Four logical facts arise from the observation that the branch in the parable is a new branch. Fact number one, since the branch is new, it can't hold large fruit at first. Large fruit would break a new branch. That's why God doesn't have a large piece of fruit growing from a brand new branch. The branch grows in its capacity to hold the fruit. In the parable, the issue is not the size of the fruit or the quality of the fruit. The vine dresser is simply looking for the presence of fruit. Any fruit will do it first. If there's fruit on that branch, he's going to work with the branch so it will have a greater capacity to hold larger fruit. If the vine dresser sees the tiniest fruit in your life, he is not going to cut you off. Did you hear what I said? He's not looking for massive evidences that you have arrived. He's looking for those little indicators that there's fruit so he can work with the branch. Fact number two, a new branch that is healthy will develop fruit rather quickly. It only takes a season for a flower to turn into a small piece of fruit. New believers don't have to wait forever to start working for God inside the church. I mean, this notion, you've got to be in the church six years before God can use you and make a difference is absolutely fallacious. You need to be in the church just long enough to experience the season of growth, which is the same year you're there. You should be working for God, be it in a prayer ministry, children's ministry, health ministry, or whatever ministry the Lord puts on your heart so that you can make a difference for God. So it doesn't take long to bear fruit. Fact number three, unfaithful branches absorb life away from the fruitful branches. So an unfruitful branch saps life from branches that can bear fruit. In the parable, the vine dresser removes them so the healthy branches can thrive and bear larger fruit. So a branch that's not bearing fruit is actually has a negative impact on the net result of bearing fruit. It pulls energy away from that part of the plant which will reproduce. Jesus is saying that unproductive Christians are a sap on the energy of productive Christians. In the plan of God, there's no room for any believer to be idle in the church. Sometimes people leave the church not because they were driven away. Sometimes they leave the church because they never bore fruit and they don't want to. And the vine dresser cuts them off.
Fact number four. Every healthy branch has negative growth at first. The vine dresser prunes the healthy branches so they will bear more fruit. So it isn't perfect fruit we're looking at. It's just fruit. Every new believer has things in their life that God needs to take away. Is that true or not? And sometimes believers who've been in the church have things that need to be taken away. Correct? So the pruning must go on. When you are a new believer, you may become discouraged with the negative and unnecessary growth in your life that holds you back and feel like your life really doesn't matter. Christ is saying here, don't give up on yourself. You can't prune your life on your own. That's not your job. You can't fix yourself without the Father's knife. The vine dresser applies the knife at times to the branch so the branch can bear more fruit in the future. For the true believer, trials are a blessing that offers the promise of fruit. John 15, 3, You are already made clean by the word which I have spoken to you. This notion that our church must be anything other than a Bible-based community of faith is far into the thinking of Jesus. You know, we're made clean by the interaction of the Word of God in our life. It's the Word of God that is God's pruning agent in the church. In the lesson of the vine, God uses the Word to prune and clean our lives. The sword of the Spirit is the pruning knife of the vine dresser. Well, I'm so sorry we have to leave it there. That is all the time we have for the first portion of The True Vine. Today's Reaching Your Heart. If you're in the Washington, D.C. area, we invite you to stop by the worship service. You can find driving directions and information on the website, reachingyourheart.com, or you can call us at 877-788-5371, 877-788-5371. If you can help this ministry out with a financial contribution, please consider doing so. We certainly appreciate those, and they help us to continue to bring you these broadcasts here on this station. You can also go to reachingyourheart.com to donate online right there on the website. That's reachingyourheart.com. Thank you for listening. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525.